Yo. Yeah, hey, 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 hey. Dates. Hey, this episode of The Champs is being brought to you by Nobody. Dates. We don't got any ads. We just want to tell you about where we're going to be live. Neil, what do you got coming up? Anything? Oh, fun? Moshe, great question. Uh, March 27th, I believe. March 27th. I'm going to be in uh, fucking, you know, Arlington Draft House. Oh, the the old spot we talked about last time. You know. A lovely place. Draft House. Go ahead and get some tickets now, guys. In the Washington, D.C. area. Guys, uh, this is your boy, MK, Moshe Kasher. I will be in Madison, Wisconsin this very upcoming weekend. So you can come back with me in Madison at the uh, club there. It's the Comedy Club on State. It's the Comedy Club on State, a.k.a. we're going to sell out no matter what, so we're not <laughs> so, going to pay you. So no bonuses, but good good shows. Uh, I will also be uh, I'll be going to the San Francisco Sketch Fest uh, the first weekend in February, uh, which should be very fun. I'm doing a live Hound Tall taping on the 21st of January, as well as at Sketchfest. So here in L.A., I'm doing a Hound Tall taping with uh, cosmologist and theoretical physicist Sean Carroll on the 21st of January. That's this Wednesday at UCB. And on San Francisco history, the Barbary Coast and the Gold Rush at San Francisco Sketchfest, as well as an array of different fun shows at Sketchfest. I consider Hound Tall like, a ser- like serial is to this American life. Yeah, it was. It began. That's right. It's the serial <laughs> to champ. Yeah, yes. that's right. <laughs> you can use this as a platform to talk about Hound Tall. Uh, what I what I should have is have you intro each episode. Hound to, Tall. Yeah, because that's what uh, Ira Glass does. For yeah, serial for invisibilia. I've been listening. listening. Yeah, invisibilia. Uh, February twentieth, Vancouver, British Columbia, the Biltmore Cabaret, and uh, then I'm going to Salt Lake, Chicago, Kirkland, San Antonio, Charlotte. Go to Moshe Cash. Moshe's trying to get, get this, this money. paper, man. Give it's me my money, money out here. Hari, I have dates. Uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm at the DSI Comedy Theater on January twenty first. Uh, the the seven p.m. sold out, but there's still a few for the nine p.m. I'm at Ohio State on the uh, the 26th in Columbus, Ohio. I believe it's open to the public. I have no information for you because there's nothing on a website, but you, you'll figure it out. And then uh, I'm at the Park Theater in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba on uh, February 19th. Well, there we go. Oh, Let's start this That was episode. a hot date sesh. That was a good date <laughs> sesh. I felt good about it. Why do you all start with the dates, if I, if I can ask? Is there I'll because, tell you why. Uh, yeah, Captive we'll audience, you, motherfucker. Because oh. we want to give people, get their fast-forward hand right. steady. <laughs> right. They're ready to, to fast-forward past the bullshit, and we want to get these dates in their no, eyes. No, because if we, we just wanted to do because if you wait, then it's fucking, then maybe they're not listening. See, like, right, this right. is going long-winded right now. Nobody wants to hear what we're even talking about no, now. No, this is where they actually stopped. They're like, well, maybe like, they're, oh, fuck, the oh, dates no, are going. they're still talking <laughs> about dates. Um, they haven't even started. Speaking of starting, let's start. Mm. Now you're fucking with the champs. I'm up at midnight, I'm dipping off in my knees like a gun on a metal piece. I've been knees, I've been to my wrist like. I'm lurking, serving all pussies who lack a purpose. I got Yeah. All right, man. We started this show once again. Um, okay. Podcast. Champs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know Moshe, how we do. Moshe's coming to you live. Yeah, and Neil's hating on Moshe. Things are just as they always have been and should be. It's 2015. 
We're back in. You know what I want to start doing is calling ourselves real podcasters. Oh yeah, just like, one of those like you know for real podcasters, people that love real podcasts. <laughs> just one of those like casting aspersions in no way. Like just it makes no sense. I'm just like y'all. There are a lot of fake podcasters out there. <laughs> a lot of Buster. We podcasts we real right podcasters now. right now. Um, and then we start shouting out names. By the names. way, did you hear uh, Funkmaster Flex go after Jay Z? No, what would he say? It's, fucking, it's so weird and funny. You have to listen to it. I would, we should um, play it right now. I know, but that, it's people know by it'll be over by the time I air this. But did you hear Hannibal Burris doing a Funkmaster Flex? Uh, he went after Funkmaster Flex. No, what he did? He made fun of his sound effects, and we don't appreciate <laughs> that on the po- Champs podcast because of our history. He went after the bomb. He the went bomb after uh, all of the various Funkmaster Flex. Where sound did, did he do it on Funk's Funk Flex's show? No, he just did it just to be on a stage? creative spirit. The Cosby style. No. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I'm saying Cosby's that like he did it on stage. Like, No, he just released a uh, a, uh, a Funkmaster Flex parody. Oh, all right, good. So fuck with it. Hannibal, we know you're listening. And we don't appreciate you making fun of sound effects because Doug is probably listening somewhere too right now. Doug, by the way, uh, good news, listeners. Old, uh, old-time uh, Champ listeners. Questlove wants to do a Champ's retrospective where he interviews me, Moshe, and Doug. For a special Champs episode. That sounds great. Which I think we sh- we have to do in like the next... He's going to be here in two weeks, so we got to right. do it. We'll All right, our down. guest today. Enough riff-raff. Um, our guest today, uh, Hari Kanabolo. Now, Hari, you are... You're one of the few people... I would say that your big break was from NPR, right? Huh. I see your big break as being on Terry Gross. That's really? A, that seems like I guess it depends on the world. Like if in, in the comedy world, I, I think I've I've been around. I've been yeah, kind yeah. of like no, nah, you weren't right. shit till you were on Gross. <laughs> but no, but your album took off and all that. Yeah, shit. no, it, it definitely brought me to a lot more people. Certainly, yeah, and more than I mean, the Letterman thing was cool, but I think this one was the one that actually like resonated with people because the Letterman sets you know three or four minutes or whatever, yeah, or five minutes, yeah. and you don't get to know anything about you. Right, and you don't know your backstory. You but don't that know. actually isn't true. Your Letterman set was particularly it was uh, particularly descriptive of you as a as your persona. I mean, you really got it was some accurate. Stuff across. Yeah, it was strange because like I had submitted a bunch of jokes that weren't those jokes that I figured because they wouldn't want me to do like all race, mm-hmm. and they wanted that set, which is like a set that like I don't even normally do those jokes in a row. I usually have to try to mix a few things in. So it's... I hate how immigrants are talked about in this country. I was watching CNN, which was my mistake, and <laughs> they were interviewing this woman in Arizona who's against immigration, right? And she said, look, we're just trying to bring this country back to the way it used to be. The way it used to be. Lady, you're in Arizona. It used to be Mexico. I don't get it. I don't get all the anti-immigrant sentiment in this country, because this is a country that says it's the greatest country in the world. We're the best. We're number one. Then we get upset when people actually show up. But when you advertise something, sometimes people buy it. That's how it works. I don't get, I just, I hate intolerance. I don't know why we're talking about tolerance to begin with. It's 2014. We should be at acceptance and love. What's this tolerance business? Like, what do you tolerate? Back pain? <laughs> I've been tolerating back pain and the gay Latino at work. <laughs> it's a low bar for humanity, is all I'm saying. 
But the country's changing and people are freaking out about it. And I know they're freaking out because I keep hearing about the year 2042 on the news. For those of you who don't know, 2042, according to census figures, is the year when white people will be the minority in this country. They'll be 49% and white people are freaking out about it. Don't freak out, white people. You were the minority when you came to this country. Things seem to have worked out for you. For those of you that don't know Harry's work, he hates white people. Definitely. Uh, no, no. Let's back it up. Yeah, let's, let's back, back it up. Back that train up. How did you learn to hate white people? I wonder. I, that, that, that's actually one of my questions. I yeah. mean, you do a lot of your act is about race. Well, we don't even know what your race is. We know nothing about him. Let's pretend we know nothing I about him. I believe okay. probably Hari Kondabolu is speaking for itself. But, but I don't know anything about Indian American. Like, Indian pretend. American comedian. From? From Queens, New York. Grew up in Queens. Grew born up in the. Born in Queens. Stayed there till I went to college in Maine. Which is at Bowdoin College, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and your parents were uh, both worked in hospitals. Mom was a doctor until she came to America. Works in a in a then cath she lab. A, I was going to say then she became a cab driver. <laughs> yeah, and talked about how she was a doctor back in her country. <laughs> right. Again, is that a racist joke per se? Well, ask Hacky. It's uh, hacky racist. It's more racist toward. It seems like more of an African thing, where it's... they those guys say that they were doctors. No, back I in mean, their country. I mean. It's it's hacky for sure. For sure, like, that's, that's not course. even. No, of course, absolutely. I was. That's why I sort of. I mean, here's it. here's the interesting thing. I would have said it was hacky ten years ago. Yeah. but I think mainstream America back. thinks it's hacky now. Oh, I thought I you were going to say, say it was it's so, so hacky. People people stopped doing that joke 10, 15 years ago. Right. Yeah. So I in mean, that way, maybe it's become. That's current what I'm again. saying. Like it's almost retro. Does, can you have racism be vintage? Like yeah. is, yes. that, is that a yes. thing? I feel yes. racism. If nothing is vintage, is that what's happening with all these cops and all these shoes? Is that just that vintage? Is that just it's, bringing it back into the, it's public? the old spirit? Yeah, school. yeah, the old spirit. But what what you may or may not know about Harry? Well, first of all, Harry yeah. and I are old friends. We, yes. we met many many years ago when we were both sort of neophytes in comedy. Oh, you lived in San Francisco, right? I lived in Seattle, but I went down to San Francisco for the first time for the HBO Comedy Festival callback, and that's when I met Moshe. That's right. You and had that great MySpace joke. <laughs> I did have a great MySpace. Uh, uh, I'm on MySpace. Friend me, fuck me. Right, find me, fuck me. That's find correct. me, fuck me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was real. That was... That was, that was, <laughs> that was, even, that was a tactic. The first time you said it, you, you didn't even know it was a joke. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, you, oh, y'all laughing? Oh, okay. All right, I'm going to repeat that next time. <laughs> <laughs> but Hari, uh, actually, right after that callback, had this sort of whimsical sort of uh, journey to London to go get a master's in human rights or something I don't like know that. if it was, was it whimsical? I just mean, like, in terms of the way that I think of comedy, all these egomaniacs are That's so, whimsical. I'm not saying you're not an egomaniac. Right. right. But are so, like, eyes on the prize, I must get this money in this show business realm that for you to say no I'm taking yeah. two years off to go get a master's well, degree in it, human rights it was one year but this wasn't the plan I mean like I moved to Seattle to be an immigrant rights organizer and comedy was not a thing I thought I could do I grew up in New York I knew what like open mics were I didn't want to pay for stage time I didn't want to like have all my friends come see me to do three minutes so I'm like alright I guess it's not going to happen I moved to Seattle to be an organizer, and, you know, it's a small scene, lots of stage time. At that time, it was a really strong alt scene, a lot of, like, independent rooms, and, like, so it kind of took off and, and happened. J.P. Buck found me, uh, who was booking the comedy, uh, the HBO Comedy Festival at the time, found me up in Seattle, and that's kind of how it started. But, like, it wasn't the plan, so when I got all this stuff, I didn't, really didn't know what to do with it. 
But you did have yeah. one of those things where people came. To, you, you sort of got plucked out of obscurity and put into like Kimmel very quickly. Yeah, HBO Comedy Festival, and they put me on Kimmel, I guess, to kind of promote the festival. And I didn't have a TV. What credit, year was that? Two thousand and seven. Okay. So it was all kind of like this wasn't the plan. Like I like doing comedy. It was cool that I had a small like base of people who like my stuff in Seattle. But you don't make it out of Seattle. Like you have to moved to LA or New York and the first time I was in San Francisco ever was for that callback and the first time I ever got went to LA was for the the other callback so uh, for the festival so like this whole thing was kind of like at the time very shocking and weird cuz like I was on Kimmel and then flew back to Seattle the next morning and went right to work like it, it was just a very and you got mobbed at work, right? People were just fucking... You couldn't even do your job. People were, it was kind of weird. I'd walk in and people were like, were you on Kimmel last night? I'm like, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, the thing that you do at night sometimes, the comedy thing, it's actually happening. I'm like, yeah. So yeah. was there a point at which you said to yourself, I'm leaving this sort of justice stuff behind? Uh, I mean, I, but, I, but, but, when, but what about the Seattle? So you went back to Seattle and then you didn't leave justice behind. I That's fin- just I, the question I was asking you. No, no, no. Okay. But you, but before, but I want to talk about the justice part. Then you got your master's. Yeah. So then I, I, uh, I had already applied the same week. I found about found out about Kimmel and um, the HBO Comedy Festival. I also got into the London School of Economics for a human rights master's program that I had applied to uh, in the fall and uh, decided like this comedy stuff was great, but it was like this wasn't like I'm I'm very linear in a way. Like I want things to be in the order they're supposed to be in. And so I'm like, all right, I'm 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 going to see if this comedy thing is still there after I finish this master's program. So then I moved to London, and I got the master's. And did no stand up. I did it every now and then. I just kind of assumed I would just because London had a great scene, and I, I'm with Avalon, and they're like a big management company out in the UK. So I figured I'd get a bunch of spots. But like when you're in grad school, you're in grad school. You're you're not really you don't have time to do stand up, which I don't think I realized. And uh, then I, I got live at Gotham while I was in um, London, and I hadn't done stand-up in like six months, and I would got into got this thing. So all of a sudden, I, I missed the unit on South African Truth and Reconciliation, and uh, that it's was a hot unit. That was a big unit. Mm. I, I they have some of the biggest units in the world. <laughs> right, right. At the London School of Economics. Is a, is a penis. That's a black dick joke. Again, the pe- uh, penis. from I get shit on for doing a cab driver joke. You do the you do a dick hey, joke. It's all in the time. I, I laughed because I did down. I didn't get it initially, so I laughed out <laughs> of awkwardness. And then you process. explained it, and then I was like, okay, okay. Uh, I, sh- I want to. Can you take the laugh back? <laughs> I just love the idea of you sitting in grad school, like doing something. Act- Sort of objectively much more just and meaningful than comedy. Than live just, at Gotham? And just, <laughs> but also having like every open micer's dreams come true while he does nothing to promote himself. It was like, very strange. Yeah. I felt terrible. And a part of, I guess that was part of the logic was after I got back, it fe- I felt terrible because I knew all these comics who worked for like so long for something and had moved to LA and then moved back to Seattle and then moved to LA and moved back to Seattle. And it was just like, I'm not even trying that hard. Did your brain ever tell you, like, you're that good? No. I knew I was doing something. I thought I was fine, but I knew I was doing something different. Well, that's, and I knew that, that, that mattered. That's exactly the question I was going to ask. Is Because like, a lot of your comedy, and you're very funny. I admire you as a comedian. You're my friend. But also, the, a lot of your comedy is really, decon- like I said, deconstructing racism and taking the, a racist power structure to task. Right. But at the same time, do you would you acknowledge or would, do you think that you've benefited from that very structure by 
by talking about it, you were made to be unique and were given these opportunities, like because you have such a unique voice in comedy. No, I yeah, those are, those are different things. I think like having a unique voice will always benefit you. If if it's y- unique but still, if I'm not funny, it doesn't work. A hundred percent. That's why that's, I put that that's caveat. The thing. So we get I, rid I, of that. You, there's you're tons of unique funny. voices at open mics, but it's like, but I'm not laughing, even though I've never heard this before. Maybe there's a reason I've never heard this. Oh, but before. the opposite is even more true. There's tons of not unique voices that are technically funny, but who gives a shit? Right, 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 Just right. Some bland human telling and jokes. you work the road forever, and then it's like I don't, yeah, which is a hard hole to get out of. Um, but I think that uh, I, I don't know if if if, if it. I would say I, in your defense, I would say because I think that way. Like sometimes, well, the you're benefiting from this racist power structure because it makes you seem more unique uh, because you're not white and you take people to task and shit. But it's like the least. It's the least society can do. For for like people that are not white, it's like well, this is one advantage. Like when black people go or white people go, like black guys have huge dicks. It's like that's the one advantage. All right, well here's the thing: I don't think society did shit for me in this regard, to be perfectly honest, because I drew people to venues. Right. And they saw that I was bringing money in. I don't think this was a charity case or something. Oh, said, I don't either. No, I know. But I mean, just the idea oh, of like, it, I don't think people were like, oh, my God, like, we got to support this voice. Like, I didn't have an agent until I got on Kamau's show. And that was like well into it. Nobody was interested in like signing me. I'd had a half hour special. I had a bunch of TV appearances. I got on a writing staff. Nobody was interested. I had friends who hadn't done shit who got that agents. That was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, right. when, when I finally yeah. yeah, so it was kind of this weird thing of like, I I knew that I was interesting because I was still getting stuff done. I was getting stuff on my own. I was getting stuff through like Avalon, but like agents weren't interested because they didn't know what they could do with me. Yeah. So I and I but I drew numbers. I drew enough numbers in big cities where they knew something is going on. And then I think once I like got to a certain point, like I picked the agent I wanted to be with. But there was things like that. Like it wasn't like. It was set up for me to just knock everything out. Right, I still, that's I'd, that's fair. I mean, do you yeah. think to some degree the the militants in your act was a was something that scared people? It's a weird thing because like I have a certain rage on stage where people don't always know what to do with because I'm not black. Right, we like an angry black guy. Like when angry, but black, what's yeah. an angry Indian guy? No, it's not that <laughs> yeah. like or dislike an angry black guy. It's I've seen Contextualization. this. I, there's something in like Mooney makes sense. Yeah, Mooney makes sense. That's the first time that's ever been said. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you can considering is, is the context he's coming in with. Right. Like an Indian dude from Queens. Who, first of all, Indian people didn't exist in the mainstream in any real way until like ten years ago. So this, so you're making it's like the jump to Aziz is like, and he's southern and he talks like that. Right. Well, then you have this guy who like talks like this and is pissed off about shit but it's yeah it's also like the question of why is the why is the indian guy angry you have to unpack so much it's like wait we didn't even have that question right no that's so far (laughs) away no i know and what's the what's the answer do i i'm upset about stuff you know what i mean if if the question question. is why is the indian guy if someone's listening to this going like i'm sure there are people going like why is he like what's well yeah i mean first i hope that I think the, they people are asking themselves like, why is this comedian have the point of view that he has versus why is this Indian, Indian. guy no, <laughs> angry? Unfortunately, with no, no, right. we, we just I, like we that. get down to racial <laughs> elements. No, I mean, that's. A, we, I think. I mean, I think I don't like injustice. I don't like unfairness on a basic level. I don't think I, I would have put it in those terms in like high school and stuff. I didn't like unfairness on a, on a basic level. But I don't think I was a particularly political person or somebody who really understood what was going on. 
And I think when I went to college, I think for one, that was impactful because I went, I grew up in Queens, New York. It's a very diverse space. And even if there was racism or injustice or whatever that happens in New York, you're kind of blinded by diversity. Like you're with everybody. You're hanging out with everybody. Like I had a table in high school of people from all over the world and we'd say fucked up shit to each other. But that was the word, like, you know what I mean? Like uh, it, it was like this incredible diverse mix of people. And then I go to Maine and it's like rich white kids. And that was very confusing to me. I knew I didn't fit in that. 9-11 happens. Uh, everything changed. And all of a sudden it's like, okay. Uh, it, it, when hate crimes started happening in Queens, I think I started to realize things were a little bit more complicated. It wasn't like, oh, we all grew up together. We're all New Yorkers. Like I started to question that. And then all of a sudden you start reading more about the world and, I don't know. I just became a different person. And, and I, I think I always had a bit of uh, – I got tweaked about things that weren't fair, but then I got angry. And I remember seeing Paul Mooney when I was in Washington, D.C. on an internship. I saw him do like two or three hours. I'd never laughed so hard before. The fact that he was like speaking his truth and had rage and walked so many people and he did not give a shit. And just the idea like that you could do that, that was empowering. So I was on stage like – trying to be a 65-year-old black man. <laughs> and it was terrible. Like, I was like, didn't make any sense. And eventually I figured out, like, what is it that I care about? What makes sense in my world that I can actually honestly talk about from my point of view and not project something else? And that's kind of how I got where I am. What, uh, what do you care about the most right now? I don't know about the most. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a good... I was going to say, what do you... Like, what am I thinking about? How do you about? prioritize? I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, just with comedy stuff, it's not like you, do you have a list of topics I'm going to talk about, I'm going to write a thing about this, I'm going to write a thing about this, like, you know, uh, I mean, do you? I don't, but I end up writing, process writing about the same five things. Right. I, I mean. I don't necessarily, although right now I have a, uh, I, I have a little chunk of things like a, that I'd like to tackle, but generally right. not. Generally what, uh, I just wait till things occur to me. But right. you seem like a more. Like you have a more strategic sort of approach to material. Nah, I don't think so. No, no, I think it's it's process wise, it's the same thing. Because I think I've I've written down bullet points of like I wish I could like right. yeah. I interned for Hillary Clinton. I'm like, it seems you wish like you could talk about that's uh, a good time to write about it now. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what to write about. Like it's like I can't. I need you always something. come back to Indian cabbie jokes. Right? Indian cabbie <laughs> just constantly on big black dick that's, jokes. That's <laughs> that's good. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But now I get what you were saying. But the unit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're still processing so that's that good. joke. That's yeah, not, it's, great. It's well structured. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Like I'll. Uh, but those are the things I'm, I'm thinking about anyway. Like I'm like like I'm thinking a lot about like transgender. So like, what can I write about? Because just having conversations with friends who are transgender and their experiences. But like, how can I honestly say anything? And it's not my experience, and I can't relate to that. But then, is there some way that I can? Make a comparison that makes sense. Did you? Yeah. I, can we get back to the nine eleven thing? Because huh. well, wait. Before you, it, before, it was such a crazy day. Okay. Before we diverge, I do. I do want to ask a question about. Just is it? If you'll forgive me, this one dalliance. Hmm. Do you ever worry? Like, what is more important? Uh, being righteous or being funny in funny. this world, and so do you ever worry that in like, this world, meaning in, in in our in our field? Well, obviously, like I said, you're funny, and that's already true. So then when you start approaching things like transgender, like I have a chunk in my act about transgender stuff, and it's what's fun about it is that it, it's not hateful. Right. Well, that's always fun. But it, I, can, <laughs> I, can always, I can sometimes feel, depending on the venue, people reacting to it before I've even told the joke. Sure. The joke is sort of benign. It's stupid. It's sure. actually not even a political joke. Uh, but do you ever find like – do you ever worry like, oh, no, I have to be careful to be funny enough and also – just enough and also not pandering like how do you make the balance 
I've definitely been in that space that you're talking about of of thinking about that and it's crazy making and it's it, I've realized that like and the internet fuels that like like I just tried to stop reading tweets at me and I stopped reading things online I'm like because uh, I think people who do love my stuff uh, many of them bully teenagers on Tumblr um, <laughs> that's who you want I, I, they're the best they're very sweet and I think that that kind of but there's a certain unrealistic pressure that comes with, like, this is my ethos and this is how I view the world and I want my art to reflect that. But I, I can't be consistent all the time. It's, I remember it's a podcast that you were doing about uh, Chappelle's show and, and Chappelle's thinking about, like, uh, how hard it was to try to think about every single joke and the impact because you can't control people's yeah, you reactions can't. It's to like, things. You know, I know you can't people, choose I don't know why they laugh. I podcast and I think about it a lot. I know people that were in the Gulf War and they listen to fucking Rage Against the Machine in tanks and fucking blow shit up. So is that Rage Against the Machine's fault? Should Tom Morello and and should those guys quit? Right. I know that they used to do the same thing with the Beastie Boys. I never told it, like I knew the Beastie Boys, I never told them that because it's like, They'd it would depressed. just bum them out. Right. And it's like, it's not their fault. Well, I you know? think it's hard. I feel like I want to be as consistent as possible and I want to try to, um, you know, you can't control laughter. You can't control yeah. why people laugh. But I want to, like, the idea, like, you know, the, the Chappelle thing that gets brought up of, like, somebody laughing on set and he heard that and it was, like, the wrong. I, I hate because I've heard that laugh. Yeah. And it's the worst fucking laugh in the world. But you can't control that all the time. You just can't. And yeah. so, but I want to be as consistent where people know this is who this dude is. This is why he means it that way. It's, I hate it. I love it. Whatever it is, I want it to be clear what my point of view is. But you can't control that. And I feel like at a certain point, I do ask myself those questions, but I can't be obsessed with it to such a degree where I can't write. Because i got to go on stage and fuck around and make mistakes or things I deem as mistakes or things that I think are funny but not who I am or things that are funny or inconsistent and be like, that's where I need to go down. But that's part of the process. And also one joke from you or Dave or anybody uh, – is not going to make a racist racist. Uh, meaning they're already racist. They're just looking for uh, some oh. sort of aim. It's like the where, where Chris is supposed to be, feel bad for niggas versus black people. And it's like, did fucking the, anyone that thinks it's okay after that joke to start differentiating themselves was <laughs> right. already right. differentiating them. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, for me, I just don't want to give people a language to do more fucked up shit. If that makes that, any well, sense, yeah. But that, let yeah. me ask uh, within that. But, there, but there's, it's not that there's they're fucked up or not fucked up already. Right. And 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 to be honest, the most influence that we can have to be perfectly honest is probably on young people, like teenagers and shit. Like at a certain point, you how much can you drastically change? But I remember, like, my world was shaped by the comics I saw and I heard, like, when I was, like, 15. Even though I grew up in New York, I hadn't seen shit. But so you yeah. do, so. that was going to be what I was going to ask. And I'm sorry, 9-11 is still, the pin is still in. I'm going to come back to 9-11. But, I mean, you never forgot. I, ne- I never have. Yeah. I never will. Um, but the um, that was the day I got called not to go into work, so how could I forget? <laughs> but did you, um, do you feel like actually it makes a difference because i like my my like the whole question about like rape culture rape jokes it's sure. like the the within that there's a suggestion that the joke will can and will influence society to perpetuate rape culture or racist culture or whatever and to me it's always been i get what you're saying but i don't believe that jokes actually do influence i don't either people, i i mean i i think you, I think you can make somebody 
uh, who is racist or is sexist, you can recontextualize something for them. And reaffirm You it. can act. I don't, I don't think you can. I think they stay where they are. Or you can actually change their mind. Well, that's what I was going to say. With a good uh, enough the, reverse, the, you can you can fucking twist their mind. So it's like, oh, uh, that's what I, I was never say. thought. Of I it was that gonna. Way. I wasn't just saying. Does it perpetuate negative? Also, do you think that a, a, a set a comedy set filled with just ideas can actually change someone's mind for the positive and influence a youth to become an anti-racist? Can yes. Will not necessarily, and it's not like a, a one to one. Sure. I mean, everything like it's not like I read one thing and I'm this person. Mm-hmm. Like it's everything's like chipping away at me, influencing me, like reinforcing certain ideas or saying like questioning certain fundamental things. So and you have to be open to it too. Op- open to taking in new yeah. thoughts and ideas and being like, do I still feel this way? Or how do I deal with something that doesn't isn't cons- consistent? And so, yeah, I think that in some ways, like. I'll go to a place, people will disagree with certain things I have to say, but the joke's funny. And also, I think seeing other people laugh at something you don't agree with is confusing uh-huh. or harder. You know, you can feel it many different ways. In some ways, pe- some people go into that setting and fe- feel like, oh, this is like high school again, and they're laughing at who I am. And for some people, it's like, I'll go, I'll go to places where, like especially colleges, where there's some kind of racial thing that happened on, on campus. And then... Uh, I look and clearly this is a campus they don't talk about race or there's there's something uncomfortable. It's a very white place, and when I'm I'm there, sometimes I feel like the kids are laughing extra hard, so the kids who aren't laughing see them laugh. Right. It feels like I'm watching a play. It's uh-huh. like that I'm not really. Yeah. I'm kind of a background character, in. and so they either have to acknowledge that there's some truth in what's being said, or right. shut down, which is always a funny thing to watch. In the situ- I'm sure you've been in this situation where some like heckler or someone will say that's not funny while you're killing. Yeah, like, yeah. How could it not be funny? Yeah. The whole room's laughing right now. Like, well, I like when the not- room turns on that person. Oh, that always that's happens. the best. Yeah. It's yeah. like, ah, you don't get the numbers. But just um, the idea to say that's not funny while other people are laughing at the thing yeah. is like, you mean you find this offensive, which yeah. is okay, but you can't. You can't and you're just, and you're so selfish that yeah, you, you yeah, won't yeah. let it happen. Like, but I mean, there's also I don't think most people. I think most people actually one, even if they don't get it, they enjoy being around a good time. Like, I don't think I feel like there's a percentage of the crowd that probably like really likes what I do. There's a percentage who doesn't. That's always going to be. And there's people that could be like that could go either way. Like if it's going terribly, they'll fucking turn. But if they're if if it's going well, yeah, yeah, this guy is funny because other people are telling me he's funny. That's the know? part where funny is the most important thing. Is for those people right. that huge Venn diagram <laughs> right. area in the middle. People are just like, oh, I don't. Oh, I never thought of it that way. But the primary thing is, you know, that that's, that's funny. Right. Like even if and that those and that's the the real work. Right. Like that's that's right. Like that's actually like you don't really agree. Maybe you don't agree or disagree with what I'm saying. You don't really care what my point of view is. But it's that thing making me laugh. And that's not even something I can you can think about. It happens or it doesn't happen. And for people you were talking about people's minds being shut, the community, the and you mentioned Tumblr. I would say that, <laughs> that the people that I'm ideologically sort of aligned with, I think probably left wingish. Tumblr is a little bit even further, are some of the least open-minded people around. They are some of the most self-assured, stridently convinced that their position is correct. Even when it is correct, the stridency is difficult to. You got to reduce pen- points for stridency. Yeah, and sanctimony. Right. I think that. 
Yeah, I mean, if you see yourself as an activist, activists are always going to be activists. You know, you're, you're, it's not, you're not communicating. The, the goal is, and there's an right. agenda, and that's the bottom line, right? So that's, I mean, yeah, that's what's going to well, happen. Well, it's that moral yeah. superiority, which, which we all talk about. We all are, have taken a moral stand. I mean, like, we're all, like, talk about actual shit in our acts. So I guess it's like, do you find yourself having to watch your own sanctimony and going like, I, I'm acting like I'm superior, I'm morally superior. Am I really morally superior? Or am I just beating people in this one instance of like racial understanding? I mean, I, I, mean, I stand behind everything like that I, I think is on record. I mean, there's certainly things I've said where I'm like, ah, this could be reworked and this doesn't, there, there's probably another, like, I'm not thinking of anything gray. specific, by the way. No, 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 no. And, I'm, and I'm just saying that, like, but because that is a thing that, like, there are times I go on stage and I'm like, this is more self-righteous than funny, but that's, that's I think, the problem I run into just with the type of stuff I talk about that, like, you know, I've said this before, like, if I miss, it's shitty slam poetry. Like, yeah, it just, uh-huh. right, because there is just, like, if you like, I, I don't think there are any, maybe come out has some of this stuff, but, I, like, I'm the only comic that I know that has people, like, snapping when they like an idea, which is fucking awful. Oh, it's literally snapping. Oh, it's oh, an oh, awful feeling. God. It's an, oh. em, it's, if you, I feel empty. I've, <laughs> right. And I tell them, please, can I get, because a lot of the people that come to see me, they're not comedy fans, they're like me. And right, so that's it, interesting, which is powerful and it's great. It's great, but the fucking snapping has yeah. to stop. Like, I, it makes me feel bad. Like yeah. I don't, I'm not. I didn't get in it for that reason. You didn't get in for the snaps. No, you're the one dude, I guess. <laughs> I don't. Because I'm a, on the other end of the spectrum. I bet you kind of are too, Neil. Which is like now people are going to start snapping. No, it's just my worry, noises. my worry is that it's like, yes, this is funny, but it's sort of not even an idea I can align myself. With. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is offensive to for sort of. I've had jokes in my where I'm like, it's funny, but I'm just going to take it out because it's just like it's too much. Like because I have no. I don't have a message, I, right? You know, I mean, if anything, do you feel like you're a message comedian? No, I don't. I don't. I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. didn't even mean to pigeonhole you in that. I'm just, yeah, you're a snack <laughs> comedian. <laughs> oh God! Why do they do it? It's so well intentioned. I know it's well intentioned, and it's a lot. It's usually like, like. Oh, you don't te- have to say who they are. They're, 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 twi- they're young people, and it, like this is young their people of color. Just kidding, it's it's, white people. It's, we know who. It is. <laughs> but it's a sense of like being connected to the idea. I mean, clapping is is annoying. Does their way when they're. Snapping does their paperback copy of On the Road fall out of their back pocket? <laughs> <laughs> they're not snapping. They're twirling their mustache. Yeah, right. And they just slipped. <laughs> right, right. So 9-11. Oh, well, the thing I was mm. going to ask is... is um, Did you do it? When are you? What do these I Muslims going to condemn yeah. the... Um, I was actually thinking today in the car before we started this, like two white people, the only person who could condemn Islamic terrorism... Uh, that white people would buy would be Cat Stevens, literally. <laughs> he's the white. <laughs> he is the white. That's he is, as far as white people are concerned, he is the Pope. Of oh, Islam. I, dude, I swear to God, if, until this moment, I was thinking Cat Williams, and I was no, like, yeah, what? Yeah. Why yeah. him? <laughs> the the pimp, little yeah. pimp himself. He's Why the, Cat Williams? Cat Stevens. Gotcha. Yeah, Cat Stevens being there, or Yusuf Islam, as he's known now, like he would be the the the. He's got the most white credibility. Well, because he's because there's no when they go who should they need to condemn it who who would a they do 
That's true. And then B. Wait, who's they? Uh, Muslims, they right? Muslims need to condemn their acts. Well, they need to, they, to like save the their Murdoch. lives so people don't get angry that they didn't. Right. But I mean, not Rupert because they it's should. the Rupert Murdoch thing. Of like, it is uh, crazy. How crazy is that? And yeah, I so. saw it reduced to like, because it seemed, when it's Rupert Murdoch, I'm very easily able to roll my eyes and just say, okay, another crazy person doing that. I saw it like within interpersonal interactions on like Facebook and Twitter, like somebody saying to Oh, them, especially. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, like, within a thread of mine, I might, you know, post something about Charlie Hebdo or whatever, and then some white Is that guy, the pronunciation? Not at all. <laughs> Charlie Hebdo-Vagine. But, um, and then somebody going, I refute blah, 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 do you to some Muslim guy in oh, my feed. Man. It's like, why is this random Muslim dude from because Iowa? Because white people got it in their heads that, that the problem is that Muslims aren't condemning these fucking... Right, uh, these mental patients within that 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 uh, are are practice a very extreme uh, fringe interpretation of Islam. I get it. So what you're saying is, and is that the the interpretation in America is that the real problem with Muslim extremism isn't Muslim extremism, but is in fact moderate Muslim, modern Muslim not, not saying anything about it. As if the, the folks who are choosing like to do this are actually taking on like everyone's condemning this. Like, yeah, man. These folks in America stop. are condemning this. Uh, yeah. Although that almost contradicts what we were saying about you can change people's minds. Well, um, I mean, it, this is a, a different a, yeah. a comedy no, versus about these people are so, yeah. the sociopaths. So I it's mean, like. I mean, what we're talking about is more about, like, does art and pop culture and comedy in particular have any impact when yeah. we say words and how it resonates? And what does a laugh do and what is the impact of that laugh, right? Okay, well, the 9-11 me... question I wanted to ask was, okay, so you said, like, you guys would all sit around at school and make fun of each other. Did it... High school, yeah. High school. Yeah. Uh, you didn't do that at the LSE? You didn't do that <laughs> Um, you guys would all sit around and shit on each other, basically. Yeah, because we all came from different places. Everyone completely. It's, it's wonderful. You're in high, that's what you do. That's, that's what, what you do. You, comics do. It's what everybody. Does. And that's also, and in do. such a diverse place, it's also like we all came from somewhere. So there's that share. You know, like of course, this is what you do. Okay, right. so it's it's basically brown people versus white people. Is that how it felt? And then after nine eleven, it became. Oh no! And then brown, pe- different brown people turned on you because you were the. They thought you were Muslim, and they thought you know what I mean. Like, was it, was it like all the minorities versus power structure? And then nine eleven happened, and it like, and then you saw Latinos and and Arabs and whoever else turning against you. No, I didn't get any people turning like uh, like Arabs and uh, why would pe- I don't understand. I, well, I guess what yeah. I'm saying is when you said things changed after nine eleven. Yes. What was, changed? I would assume white people were white people just ignored. Well, I mean, I got what I was experiencing was like people saying extremely racist shit to me, which I'm like, well, oh, this has never been, just, this. which had never happened before nine eleven. No, it happened, but never like with this like venom and connected yeah. to a thing, and like also like already feeling out of place in Maine, like that. that certainly, like getting the looks are lasting a bit. Not just like, oh, that's interesting. This person is here versus like. A, a look that's a little bit like huh. it's got after what just happened because people were crazy. People yeah. were out of their minds after nine eleven. I was uh, watching the Howard Stern. They, I don't know why I was doing, but it was it was uh, Howard Stern on nine eleven, and they had the video on YouTube. I don't know why I clicked it, but I clicked it, and it was just like I forgot how awful everybody was that day and the terrible things people were saying, and that was normal and accepted. And like, yeah, of course, well, they did this. 
You know, I remember like Drew Carey on Comedy Central. I forgot what it was, and using the term raghead or towelhead. It's like, yeah, I said it. Towel. They're towelheads. They're towels or something. And I'm just like, this was normal. This was all acceptable at that time. And I think it you, just, it kind of fueled this like, like people just saying shitty fucking things. Some just to be dicks, or some just to really just hurt me. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm not a Sikh, so I'm not wearing a turban and like I'm not a Muslim and it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter. And so things like that, in addition to seeing people get, you know, like people getting killed and people getting beaten up. And I mean, the one embarrassing thing is the fact that like black people have been dealing with this forever. You know, not to say that like non-black people haven't as well, but like black people have been dealing with this kind of shit forever. But it took 9-11 for me to see the whole picture. Yeah. Because yeah. it sort of weirdly skin colorly conflated you with, with, it, with some well, they were other worse entity than, of enemy, right? Just based solely on that. Based color. solely on that, right? Not culturally, not religiously, no. not country wise. There was no. It was you solely just sort of vaguely on that. looked that way, and uh, it was very strange. The whole thing was very, still. I feel like like going to an airport is still like a very like you know like when I get to the line, the line. What's the uh, the fast track thing? The TSA pre-check or whatever uh-huh. it's like i just get to go right through because there were years that was not possible right like I, i'm trying to avoid the ha- going into the hacky joke territory that happened no years you're after, on the man. champs baby hacks <laughs> welcome back yeah. <laughs> that's, our, that's our motto but, but yeah i mean it's just like it's still there's like a little bit of ah, that was a fucking terrible time because you so. experienced personally being at the airport and feeling and it must it, it man not even just the the it was the looks and the whispers and that stuff and as I, much as like not even just the folks the TSA officers it was everything around it yeah it must be weird i was just thinking about it now for the first time it must be so weird to be an indian from a hindu family to be not even even though you don't believe in the idea of the enemy to not even be in the fake idea of the enemy right, and right. still be sort of like very lumped strange. in very strange behaviorally but, lumped in at the I airport pay somebody once like i may said something i was saying some shit about Islam. i made a joke about this a while ago but just about saying something about muslims and i was saying something in defense and then he was saying you're just saying because you're muslim and i said because i'm a hindu and he's like it's the same thing and i'm like F- th- you know yeah it, like, like that that's hindus and muslims and killing each other like there's right. no it doesn't make any sense uh but yeah i mean all that stuff certainly shaped me and also just seeing i think the government's reaction like deporting so many people guantanamo all these things that like just shook me uh and also like i was 20 something too and i think at that point just being sensitive being 20 something all this stuff's happening at the same time like immediately being affected by all of it. So, so when you as a as a you know a comedian primarily but somebody with social justice as a strong undercurrent in your in your comedy. As, what I, kind of organizing did you do by the way? I'm just curious. I was an immigrant rights organizer. So uh there was some like direct service stuff like victims of hate crimes uh connecting them to lawyers, connecting them to other organizations. There was workplace discrimination again connecting them to lawyers, some uh school place kind of stuff like um, like, you know, supporting like parents and you know, like being an intermediate for teachers. We I did some uh, comprehensive immigration reform organizing um, the second year. And how did uh, you pick that? I went to detention centers. Yeah. That specific um, wing of of organizing. I knew that I wanted to be like in the <clears throat> general field of of civil and human rights. And uh, post nine eleven, because you know, it, so much of this was towards immigrant communities, right? So. And you know, being from an immigrant community, that was like an Im- immediately appealing. 
I couldn't find a job my first year out of college, and my best friend was from Seattle, and my college roommate, and moved back home, and he told me that I should move out there, and there was an AmeriCorps position at an immigrant rights organization, so I flew out for that, and that's what led to you know me going out there to begin with. So, Got it. so. Uh, oh, what I was going to ask is, so with a person with this background, and a, but you're a comedian, yeah. when you, like, what was your reaction to the the charlie hebdo thing like let, mm. and I, I don't mean like obviously your reaction is going to be horror but that's course, too bad yeah. that that happened but from like what what sort of emotions are getting called up like because it's a complicated thing as a comedian and as a sort of social justice human you know what i mean it's like both of those things are at play what's your yeah. what's your reaction it, it's Obviously horrifying. I mean, it almost doesn't need to be said, but like, uh, and but part of it was like a selfishness too, right? Because, uh, you know, I've said things where people have written online or to my face said things threatening to me after a set, and I'm like, fuck, it's comedy, you know, and uh, and so there's that part of me like, you know, this is something I never to a point of like a gun in my face or anything like that, but like. Like I've had people say threatening things and scary things, but it only takes one. That's what's so crazy about wackos is that they would well, be Jay, laughable. You know who said that? JFK, right? Literally a year before he got shot, no, it was I, like it only takes one guy. That, you can't stop one guy. That's how right. I feel about like I watch these videos of like white supremacists, and I go, these people would be so funny and hilarious if it wasn't for the fact that every five hundredth of them goes and blows up well, a school. That, you that's know? one fucking frightening thing. So I'll go on YouTube and like I shouldn't read fucking comments. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. but like and. Some of the most violent shit that people write on there. I'm like, I'm curious, like, who the fuck is this guy? And you click that person's YouTube thing. It's all white supremacist videos. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like, fuck, really, man? Like, is this people that threaten you or say shit on your? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking scary. And it's, at the same time, it's like it's the internet, whatever. But like, there's that it's one one guy. But like, so it, I think there was that one part of me, like, you know, I, of course, it's like free speech requires everything, everything. So on that end, of course, people shouldn't have died for it. And of, and of course, they should do what they want to do. And of course, there's the part of me, like, philosophically, I'm like, but those cartoons suck, though. They were just kind of, they were, like, shitty. And it, they it, were, like, super, like, penthousey. They were very, true. like, hustlery. They and weren't I agree, that but clever, I... either. It wasn't like there was a real clever point being. It was just, I'm going to be a dick. And it's like, if you're making a, a point, but it's like, it was it was almost like, even, like, one of the... The guys who who had died in it, like, had said something about, like, how if it pissed off Muslims, it really didn't matter to him. And it's like, well, you have a Muslim population, and doesn't that have some importance? So, of course, they have every fucking right to, to print what they want, but, like, in terms of responsibility or, like, doesn't the community you live in and doesn't that context matter at all and that was you know not but, to justify anything, but that was the one thought that was in my head That was it. my, I don't, my thing was, like, what does it, if I'm not in your religion, why do I? Why do you think I would care? What I'm like, you're not allowed to draw the prophet. Doesn't mean I'm not. Allowed, I'm not. He's not my prophet. Well, that's well, no. But what's the point of drawing the prophet? Like, well, it's the, not that you couldn't. But like, what's the point of printing it, knowing that you have a huge base of people that are going to watch it? it? It to a certain degree, it seems like mass bullying in a way. Well, because it's not really except make, that it's like. They're doing it. That They're particular bullies, publication was was doing it to every organization, to every uh, organization that they would classify as old, you know, archaic, old fashioned, uh, ignorant. Sure. And let, just for the sake of argument, the, the argument would be that there's something just there's something just in doing it to provoke, because the pro- provocation itself 
is a, a kind of just thing to do to say, no, you can't control society by saying I'm offended. But they also had cartoons of like, you know, caricatures of like uh, you know, Muslim women with headscarves. I'm like, who, who is the enemy there? Who are you attacking a figure? Are you talking, attacking a political figure? That's the difference. If they were attacking a political figure, that's a different target or, or a specific cultural figure or, or somebody who's an al-Qaeda. That's a very specific target of who's actually causing the trouble. When you're going after Muhammad or random images and characters of Muslim women, who are you actually getting? I would say – I would say – and this is d- literal devil's advocate, right – is that they would say what, who, what we're going after is actually the institution of religion. I would agree with that. And I think that's, I think that's viable too. I think, I think it that, is too. I don't think, I don't think you're playing devil's advocate. I, think, I don't think that's, that there's anything particularly devilish about it other than just like, no, we're, we're going to flout the – you can't because they also, inflict your rules on them. I think and they that also takes priests. the context of what's happening in France. Like you have a, a Muslim minority that is generally poor. Like if you're, if you're talking about a global thing, that's one thing. But you're, you're also – you're a French publication – and this is happening with also within the context of you have people there who are totally getting shit. Like that's been an issue in France uh, for a while with of like course. women not being allowed to wear headscarves and people like which already like makes their lives hard because they can't leave the house now and like all all but, that. But, but just like, to just to push back on that, yeah. Y- France is – it is very weird, their, their anti-religion they're, laws. They're also right? like very homophobic the, too. Just France like, is fucking weird. Yeah, it's and a you, weird Jews combo. Can't wear, Jews can't wear yarmulkes right, to, to, right. to school. What do they do with Sikhs? Do Sikhs are – I don't know also, about Sikhs. Yeah. Catholics can't wear their, their crosses out at public schools. Right. So, all, so the only thing that you said is they can't leave the house. But that's not French society's fault. That's actually a – that's actually sexist – you know, well, no, can't leave the house in the sense Islam. Since they can't wear headscarves because is, Islam has backwards and Judaism does the, too. By the way, I, but but I would also say, but that, that takes away the the ability of the person wearing the headscarf to make the choice. Like I'm choosing I, to do this, and you I could also say, well, is there a great deal of social pressure? Is there a right. great deal of? But the, there's still uh, there's still a choice involved in like I, I'm want I'm this is my life. I agree with you. And also, Although man, they do the I same see thing. fucking fashion shit. I see fashion shit in Paris. It's absurd. I've seen like a, a runway show with like hijabs, and right. it's like, but so but for that, they can do it. <laughs> so if you do something earnestly, that's what they have an issue is being earnest. That's a great argument. That's the though, problem. Is a Muslim who's like, no, 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 I'm, tr- I'm trying to be shitty and cool. This is <laughs> right, right. But if it's th- done with irony, it's different than right. if it's done with actual intention and heart. And although passion, they do the yeah. same thing in Turkey, you know, women aren't allowed to wear the hijab in public public se- uh, sector jobs in Turkey, which is an all Muslim country. What, but, but what are the because it's also but it varies right because it's like some people it's heads just heads sometimes it's hijab sometimes it's niqabs it in vary. in Turkey you're saying well I mean like it, it it's like each it, it's not like a standard everyone's wearing the same kind of headscarf like for some people it's like covering the face except the eyes for some people the face and it's just the hair right. so like I don't know like what culturally how it varies from place to place and for me it's like I look at I look I come from a religious background my family straight up has st- stuff with women where they have to cover their heads right, so like right. I have family that they, my my stepmother still wears a wig uh, when she goes out in public. Right? What was the I forgot the the, the they're called the, the Satmar Hasid. They're they're the worst. I mean, they're the most backwards, most sexist, most weird of all the Hasidic. I'm of the mind that uh, Islam stole is like a shitty cover of that form of Judaism. It, it it all is. It's all from yeah. the same desert region <laughs> where they were basically, right. you know, Bedouinish yeah. type people being like, "Don't walk around, women." You yeah. know what I mean? It's all it's all holdovers from the same desert backwardness. And at what point do we drop cultural relativism and just say, uh, "You know what? Actually, that's fucked up." Like that. Uh, that's I can't. That's a bridge too far. 
I think it depends on who the we is, right? Because right. like, you're talking about context to context, place to place. I don't think it can ever come from a place of power saying, this is what you got to do. It has to be from people being like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. I or I will risk my life not to do this shit. If that's something, if that's what the movement is. Well, right? then will you go to the, like the Taliban, right? Which is like the furthest extreme within Islam. And you can, mm. I can at least say, uh, I can feel comfortable saying that's horrifying and evil there's no there's no what happens with women in taliban afghanistan is too far for me to bring cultural relativism into the conversation because well, well, that's also about power like who's in control and, and what people are forcing on other people that's different from like we had this system before the taliban took over now women can't go to school like that's a that's different why thing I like that's, charlie a, that's a power dynamic because in my head that's who charlie hebdo is making fun of is is taliban motherfuckers but the problem is very rarely do Taliban guys see Charlie Hebdo, and they're mostly people that do read it are are like marginalized Muslims in in France. I mean, part of it is like if almost like they were saying the shit they were saying in articles, right? Who's going to read that? Your your their audience isn't really going to be mainstream like like most of the Muslims in France. That's not who their audience is. That's what they don't give a shit. That's not who their clientele is. So when you're writing articles, chance of people are not going to be reading that, and it's not going to be the big thing. When you draw a fucking picture. There is no way around it. It's the crudest, and they're not even well. They're just crude images to really just poke and punch, and to, to it, it's it's so like puerile and basic. Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah, but versus it's shitty argument, art. It's completely shitty art. But versus isn't the argument to me the purility of it, the, the patriarchy of, of of that that well, a lot of Islam, but especially that shitty well, extremism. Isn't the idea that the pure the purility of it is its actual point that is why it's there and it's not just it isn't just levied at islam in this particular uh, paper and i the argument that okay but within france muslims are the most oppressed of the minorities right. is a valid one but they went after the catholics and the jews and the republic and the you know the anti i mean they describe yeah, themselves they're also as an, super racist i mean that's the no they're well, the yeah, thing like, that they nothing. describe themselves as well, well, this is you know who knows if you can give this validity is an anti-racist left-wing publication i mean it goes on the whole like equal opportunity offense nonsense that i never believed they're lisa lampanelli with. uh <laughs> i got she's a question nice. she's you, nice, okay, she's nice. nice. She's of course nice. she's nice all right what do you think they're okay so nice. the name of your album is 2042 and that's the, the Wait, year waiting for 2042 waiting for 2042 and uh what do you think the world will be like assuming that like the ice caps <laughs> they're gonna melt, but let's assume they let's they hold they till twenty forty three. Let's say they let's say they hold till even twenty sixty. What do you think the world will be? What do you think America will be like? Right, well, and, and I'm curious how this Mars thing is gonna work out to begin with. I wonder how, what's the timeline on that. I, I, you know what? I don't know. Well, but, okay, that just, seems like that's a wild card. We don't know what's gonna happen there. Yeah, that, well, well, we should, I actually believe that's why we're studying the, the so the white people can move there. Space. That's exactly what I've been saying for years. <laughs> no, I, Thank I God I'm that. not crazy. <laughs> no, I believe saying, that because I think about this: shit. the poor shall inherit there. Who's the fucking poor? Uh, who's well. the me? Who's gonna get it? And who's gonna go up there? Yeah. I believe that that's why uh, that's one it's of totally the one that. of the well. Let's unpack what twenty forty two is first of all. Right? Why are we waiting for it? It's Hurry. the year uh, when, according to census figures, white people will be the minority in uh, the United States. I think okay. it's twenty forty five now. They keep moving it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty forty eight. The white, the white man. Will, yeah. yeah. The white man destroy my album. The white man will do that, homie. They'll move the date. <laughs> They'll move the date. Um, but I guess I'm curious as to like how do you see in like in your lifetime just being having to deal with with uh, being a community organizer. I mean, do you always see that 
Do you think it will just always be a problem? The, do you think racism, sexism, yeah. everything, it'll I, just be a problem? And all you can do in your lifetime is just hope to push it a little bit in the right direction? I, it takes such a mass education for uh, that is sustained for a long period of time for there to be, like, dramatic changes, right? Yeah. I find it interesting, like, in, like, the UK, for example, like, we just go back to the free speech ideas and stuff. Like, if someone says something really racist, there can actually be some kind of legal action that, that's taken, right? Like, there is some kind of accountability. And that's seen as, yeah, that's how this works here. It's, it's instilled. Here, that's crazy. Like, that's not something you it's say whatever you want. It's the opposite of what we yeah. do. It's the opposite of what we do. And, but there is something about, like, well, this is how free speech works. It comes with responsibilities, and, and you have to account for a diverse, like, multicultural, multiracial society. So we, I think to, to acknowledge all that, the idea of like every like people learning Spanish and actually keeping it after high school, like and getting rid of French altogether. I always found it strange that French was even an option. Well, French schools are there so that white people can put their kids in a cultural <laughs> experience without it being too cultural. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but <laughs> that's right. Uh, so I, I just feel like uh, part of me hopes that there is an that the future looks like Queens. Like where I grew up, right. and, and the fact that super industrial, it's a pretty, it's a pretty industrial, and a lot of brick co-op, and, and not where the rich the people BQE live. running yeah. through it, bagels. But like just the idea of like so many different people growing up to, together. It's not like uh, fucked up shit didn't happen, or we had a deep understanding of each other's cultures. But there was an acceptance, and and that was the norm. I want to see that, and and that's I think maybe a hope that there's more of that throughout this country. Like that's what they fear is what people fear is what I grew up with, and and you know I seem it was a wonderful place to live. It's funny you were talking about Neil the melting of the polar ice caps, and then you talking about how slowly and incrementally racism changes. It is kind of <laughs> cool that there's like two different stopwatches. And one, <laughs> one is like ah. big time. Like that we're not going to get there. Like right, the, right. The, the water will rise to our necks before that's the ultimate. Well, that's when, <laughs> right as it sinks above your nose, you're going to look know, at your brown know, neighbor like, and be like, yeah. you know what, you weren't so bad after all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, yeah. look, look, yeah. There's that there's idea a, that there's if, a really scary saying in Afghanistan that that the Mujahideen used to say, and now like the Taliban guys say, which is uh, Americans have the watches, we have the time. Which Whoa! Is like, uh, it's that's so intense. fucking scary and great, but like yeah. that's the Did, the polar ice caps, just like oh no, what you guys do whatever you want. We have yeah, our yeah. own thing. We're not going to pay attention at all. Oh racism! Oh that doesn't matter at yeah. all actually because yeah. you're all going to be dead in a hundred years. I mean, Except the Mars thing again, the Mars thing. Well, bring it back to Mars. There was another idea that when then if aliens were to come, that would be the one thing that would finally actually solve racism. Where is that? Is that from Independence Day? I don't. Is that I mean, what that is? It is from Independence. I mean, well, that's that was the basic. Sort of, yeah, like yeah. that's that would happen. Yeah, people I would just be like, "Oh, we hate those people." Right, right, right. Oh, those you we need have outside brown force. people, green people. Right. I wanted to do a movie like that because Rock Chris had a joke about it would t- if aliens invaded Brooklyn. It would take like five days for them to take Brooklyn, like. But that, but that's kind of what Protect the Block is about, right? It's like I haven't seen that it's French. Movie, Attack the Block. Attack the Block. Yeah. British. Um, is like they. It's aliens, and then they something like to, that. Yeah, yeah. So they have to like like aliens invade the hood, basically. Yeah, and then they have to hold it down. Um, so yeah, so I guess the question is, you just you see it as incremental, and and there is no. Yeah, I I honestly don't. I feel like. I'm 32, but I feel like I have no idea how like a 24 year old works in the world, like how their brain functions. Because like I got the internet maybe when I was like junior high or high school, and that was kind of early to have it in junior mm-hmm. high. And like these are kids who grow up with this form of communication and these kind of ways of viewing the world. So I don't know how they see see things, and I don't know how race works in that context. Right. So I'm not really sure how 
you know, if some of the things I say sometimes at colleges, part of me, I'm like, part of, sometimes part of me thinks, is this just old? Is this right. an old way of thinking to them? Because things have changed so quickly or because I didn't grow up with certain images, but they have. Do they seem more progressive? I, not necessarily more progressive or, or thinking about the world in terms of, of like this is what progress looks like and this is what justice is, but like their normal is different. Right. Their 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 assumptions are different. Well, that's the other thing that was just about like culture collapsed on itself. You know, it's actually sort of Kanye West's fault. Like Kanye West is like the the demarcation point when hip hop. Stop, it stopped being a black culture thing and and rock and roll stopped being a white culture thing and everything just sort of became a thing. Right. Where like now black people are in tight pants with, you know, vans on and white people are in sagging pants. Like, and no one's pretending to be white or pretending right, to be right. black. They're just all, everybody's, it's all this collage culture where everybody's just all one thing. Right. What do you have, uh, there was a guy who, I there was a, I saw on C-SPAN that, um, Baratundi was doing a thing with some guy, a white guy who wrote a book called Some of My Best Friends Are Black that I downloaded, but he was saying, he brought up 2042, not the not your album, but as a demarcation point, and he said like, yeah, there's going to be more minorities than white people, but white people are still going to have all the money. Right, I mean, and, and, right. and then, so like, what do you make, so who has power, power is going to, yeah. yeah, it's like power is still going to be. The one thing you hope for is that voting, de- democratic voting will be able to offset uh, economic privilege. And, maybe. and it's about like local elections and local power and people like being held accountable. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't, like let me see, with Obama, it doesn't matter if the president's back other than impo- the certain things that it has helped on and like symbolic value. But like, what does that's, it really do? It's still the same shit, if not well, worse than certain well, things. That's the so, worst part of American sort of democratic culture. It's like in Europe, I'm, uh, they do a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. One thing they do right is that people do care about local elections, and yes. nobody gives a fuck. No, a that, those fuck are the most local. important. Those are the ones that actually count. How money is being distributed life. locally? I mean, like, I don't know, man. Racism mutates. I don't know how it's going to mutate. Like, it doesn't look the way it used to look. I mean, it's easy to be against this person killed another person, and that's bad. That's just yeah. very straightforward. But the the little things that kind of break you down and the and the big things, how money distribu- is distributed and all that stuff, and that's a, that's a more complicated thing. I have no idea. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's, also, it's, also So if it's 2042, the year, when do you th- – I mean, it's impossible to say. What do you think? A hundred years after that, then it'll be like – a truly equal society or like the, I, I mean the idea I, is I think there's going to be different breakdown I feel like there's I don't know I, part, I don't think it's just going to be like it's done I think there's always been throughout history some degree of someone trying to seize power I think maybe who's seizing power and what those things look like will be different but look, hopefully they're not as I mean, this is so it's almost so crude the kind of ways things break down now and arbitrary and based on historic nonsense that doesn't make sense now like in terms of how we break people down like I'm hoping that like give me an example of that oh just like the idea of you're white why because your skin's this color okay yeah. and I'm you're not because you're a bit off so you're mixed but yeah. my, my dad's my 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 mom's half white and they're white and they're nah nah because they're slightly off and I'm like, but you know, I'm black, but you don't look black. Like it's not. That's it's a, ridiculous. That's the kind of thing that theoretically could actually go away with enough interbreeding until everybody's just no longer racially. But that's still homogenous. in the logic. It was just the idea of race. Like, when do we put some of that away? And part of it is you can't completely put it away because our history is so fucking awful that like it, that's a clear part of who What's you are. What's fucked and what your up is, is it was tribal, and then it became once the world like started continent jumping then it became racial and it's been racial for 
thousand years? Well, I mean, part of it too is like with Enlightenment era stuff. There's this big idea of individuality, the power of the individual, the idea of like equality, and that we, regardless of class and, and and religion and power, like you have a, a certain degree of equality as other people. And really, it was like white men is what they were talking about, but right? Still, but even that—that's what still, I mean. Even that's like. But then they go to like they start traveling and they have to deal with like Africans and Asians and you have to deal with all these differences and like, well, that doesn't make sense with the whole equality thing. So then eugenics, the, the foundations of eugenics start and you have to try to, well, well, scientifically they're different. So it's not quite the same. So, but in this thing, you know. They got bigger yeah. units. Right. <laughs> Stuff like that. I'd like it. Killer right, material right. like that, like <laughs> unit jokes, unit et cetera. Jokes. Um, I mean, do you think there's hope? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? I, I mean, long term, racially and so- socially, the optimist. I, I couldn't do what I do if I wasn't an optimist. I, like, I, I don't think I am. I, I think that the moment that racially everything flips and everybody becomes a mulatto or whatever, right. they'll find some other thing to separate people. Oh, I think people will try to find different power things. I mean, that's. But I think that this this thing can be beaten in the in, in the long term. I do because I think of how much things have changed. And like you meet like. Like eighteen or nineteen year olds, and they they say things. I'm like, how? The internet has exposed them to so much more information, and and they see how like they can't be so deep in bullshit because they've seen counter evidence from an earlier age. They're not just like raised within their town with their s- small families. Yeah, but so. at the same time, you know that the internet can, can, uh, creates echo chambers. Yeah, I've read comments and I've read, I've seen Reddit <laughs> it's things. Like you but... can be uh, in, the internet's got the best and worst information in the history. Right, right. Un- fucking unbelievable. But you're still exp- the idea of you're writing nonsense and it's reaffirming. There's an echo chamber, but there's still somebody who's saying something else. You're still forced to confront something I'm, else. Yeah, yeah, I think about young gay not people. If it's password protected. <laughs> I think about young gay What's people on the internet. All the time, like I mean, what it must have been like to be a young gay person before the internet? You just go like, I wonder if anyone on Earth is like me, right? Right. Now you just like log on to a little thing, like, oh, great, anybody great, there? Can you wait, hear yeah. me? Got to wait a few years, and I'm gonna go move to San Francisco, <laughs> and everything will be okay. I right. mean, it's a little simplistic, but it's at least there's some sort of lifeline. There's a way out, yeah. And yeah. goth kids and Rocky Horror Picture Show fans. Is that is it true with Rocky? Horror I feel like if you're a loser, forget being gay. Just, you're like a nerd <laughs> in in yeah, some right, small right. town, and you're like you're into like you know goth. You just go, oh, there's other goths. Well, Great. Like the, the okay. whole like the furry thing is that with the people. Is that the one where they wear the different costumes? Sure. Right. How on earth could you have found other people without the internet? It wouldn't like, have existed. You would have found one other person, maybe in your town, and you're just hoping to God it's not a trick. Like if you're and you'd have to like leave clues, you'd have to like leave a fucking right. hairy glove out. Right. 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 Does that do anything for you? Just go right. to raves and everybody's like, "Do you like the music here?" No, but the costumery is really great. right, 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 right. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Yeah, so you are optimistic. Yeah, I am. I I, I feel like um, I, I I believe in those bullied kids on Tumblr. I believe that they're they. You know, I think that there's something in that, in in in, in young people me, really wanting to create change and creating something. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this though about those bully kid on Tumblr because they are pushing forward the ball of progress in terms of social reformation. But also, I feel like on the other hand, people have this inf- young people have this information that they that they're imminently fragile and that they, that they can be shattered at any moment by someone's words. Like we must be trigger warning. At all times, and that 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 you can be broken by someone else's uh, inconsiderateness, which I think is sort of sad and and sort of antithetical to human progress. It's like, please don't hurt me. What do you? I mean, do you agree or disagree? Do you think that the, that that 
I've, I've, I have, I have thought about that a lot because I, I, one, I do see a value in the idea of of the trigger warning because, like, in most places in life, you do not have that. Life doesn't allow you to have things like everything. Basically, is going to be a trigger when you walk outside. There's everything is you know. It's just hegemonic. All the big words I learned in school, and, uh, and even small ones. Dick move. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, just people being assholes. I mean, forget even power structures. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. Regular bullying. Yes, the straightforward people being dicks or like projecting other stuff onto you. Right, and and your interactions. Uh, yeah, and so you can There's nothing you can do about that. That's just the way it is. If you want to function in the world, so I feel like okay, if you carve out one space on the internet. That is your space. Well, why is that a bad thing? That's one side of it. The other side of it is the fact, well, when you go out in the real world, you can't just, like, block yourself off because, you know, what What that leads to is that echo chamber. Well, what progress are you making? And are you willing to put yourself out there and take the beating that comes with confronting people and saying what you want to say? And confronting is not even necessarily always the right thing. So I have people, I have friends who don't always agree with my shit. And... I don't fucking just you get on you know I, there's a there's there's a time to get on stage and do your thing but when you interact with people hey we'll talk about sports but we'll find something that we love about each other and I'll say my piece and you'll say your piece and we'll have a discussion like that is necessary and and if you are used to your echo chamber and if you're used to being in the same thing are you ever going to have those conversations are you ever going to find something else exactly but, they, but everybody that all the trigger warning people are are I believe that they think their way is completely correct and they don't want to change people what do you mean that there you mean like the point point meaning of it's it's generally like super left-wingy and and well and i don't think they would see because i don't see it as left-wingy i see it as like the thing i believe you know like i don't see it as right like, but so, it, you know it I mean? happens to fall on the in terms of the american political structure or the american belief structure it's super liberal well that's and, the thing i that's the outside looking at the thing. When you're in the thing, you don't you don't look at it in terms of this is where I fall on the thing, right? Like this, like words obviously limiting, and you use the words you can't try to describe a thing. But like when I think I believe this, this, and this, I don't think, man, that's super lefty. You know, I'm like, no, nah, that's right, what sure. I believe though. And so for them, it's the same thing. It's like this is your belief. It's thought out based on things you've read, right, people you've met, say, your experience. To Neil's point, they would say, to, why do I need to leave this? This is right. utopia. But, but they can't. Of course, they have to leave this because when you walk outside, when you see a movie, when you I, consume pop culture, when you listen that to you music, you have the internet where you can build up an infrastructure so that you can limit the amount of times that you ever have to intellectually bookmarks leave, my friend I, I, dis- I disagree with that because I think the internet thing because if that's the counter to ma- the mainstream world that you have no choice but to deal with and your families and everybody you are forced to interact with because that's what life is that's the place where you respond to those things. But, you, of but all... you still have to deal with those things. That's the world. No, but you of all people who has people snapping at your shows yeah. must have come in contact with people who have set up a world in which everyone around them is an intellectual yes man and they never have to have conversations with people that disagree with them without just rolling their eyes and saying, what idiots. Well, there, well there, are, there are certain – there's blockages, right? Of course. I, of course. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. I'm just saying th- that I don't d- – I'm not against the idea of, like, I think there's a value to the echo chamber slash safe space. I do see that because where else do you get that, right? But, you know, I have people coming up to me who say that, like, you know, I don't really love comedy, but I love what you do. And I'm like, that fucking annoys me because I love comedy. Yeah, right. Like, comedy has given me everything. Yeah. And I can see a comedian do a joke and from a 
from a human point of view, I'm like, that's fucking awful. And as a comedian, I'm like, that's well-structured. Very good and what, You're using your powers for evil, but I'm envious of your powers. Like, that is incredible that you pull that off. I, that's, well, that's a lot. I don't, I don't agree with everything Mooney says, but it's fucking hilarious. Right. I, I, but and you can appreciate, like, this dude knows how to write uh, yeah. a joke, and he's been using the same jokes for a long time. <laughs> well, but, like, he, <laughs> and if you didn't catch him, go see him again, because they're going to be the same, same joke. joke. But still, like, we, the tooth, what is the thing I said? And we're, I broke that's my teeth. Yeah, it doesn't because it saves my yeah. teeth, teeth white. That's white. beautiful. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. Yes. Well, that's what I think about this whole joke should punch up or not punch down. It's like, no, jokes should make – that's just a, something someone made up. Jokes should do what – to make people laugh. Your jokes, Hari, as a person my that cares jo- about punching up, should punch, should punch up. up. But Attell's jokes shouldn't punch up. They should just be funny. And you know what yeah. I mean? And- I don't like that. Because, I mean, I, of course I see stuff like that because that's my community, right? There's the, I, have the, I have comedians, that's my people, and I have the, the folks who are like, you know, these politically were on this page. And, like, I'm not going to say what should happen. I know what I should do. So, uh, people will say, uh, will say, like, you know, I wish more comedians did what you do. And I'm like... And why don't you enjoy what I do? And why right. do you enjoy, why, why yeah. do you need like? Right. Don't go see they comedy. Want a, if you, they want an echo chamber, and the, it, I, and, and to right. some degree, that's how things work. You have taste. And, yeah. But also, on a basic level, that's yeah. what taste is. Yeah. Also, right? so. if you weren't funny, it's like you wouldn't be on this podcast. You wouldn't be on on Jimmy Kimmel. You wouldn't be on. None of it would matter. My it's Kimmel like, set sucked. To be fair, I'm just saying. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it was, that it was all, terrible. 2007, it, so bad. So you know what I mean? No, it's like you wouldn't even be in the conversation without the funny. That's the entry fee. And then from then on, you get to who are you? you right. Know? I mean, I, there needs to be jokes, man. There needs to there be need, jokes, there no jo- I have one more question, and I got to go. But, okay, so let's say in a perfect world, in 2060 or something, there is a meritocracy. There's no longer a white autocracy. There's no longer, like, race. Do you not feel the same way that white people are inherently lucky for being born white now? that you would be inherently lucky for being born smart. That's already true, probably. But I, 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 that you have privilege, not, not just, you like, have a kind of privilege based on your intellect. That but, there's just a huh. lot of random shit in life that When has that, that ever been useful, though? I think I, it's we useful. Don't, like, we don't always uh, well, elect saying, intellectuals. I agree, intellectuals in a perfect world, like... No, but you've got if an opportunity. Race the, if, based, oh, based on, based like, on being, being a smart person. That's actually what last week's episode was so uh, so interesting to me about the of the champs, was like, Tiffany's story, and if you haven't heard it, Champs listeners, it's really brutal and intense, was really a story about how lucky it is for a person to be born physically attractive. Even in these horrifying experiences, yeah. Tiffany continued to have people coming to her saying, you're a pretty girl, come with me, here's, a ch- here's some other thing. Even yeah. within the worst of circumstances, right. like privilege is a multi-varied thing. If you have basic needs met, and if you have access to stuff, like being smart, yeah, it helps a bit, and knowing how, and if you have social skills, I know smart people who don't know how to, That's fair. Don't know how to talk to other people, and so they're stuck. Yeah, but I'd know? even say that I consider most of that fucking luck even ambi- I consider being ambitious lucky I consider having social skills you're lucky right. I think being smart is luck I, like, no you're right I think that privilege is more or even than- having the desire to re like any of this shit right. it's just you just get hit with it and you go oh fucking that's lucky white privilege is, is just the loudest kind of privilege there's a million kinds there's intellect there's physical yeah. being tall enough being athletic being you know, that's curious. a really great way of putting that 
it is it, it, yeah it was bad. no it, that is it, it is the yeah. lot because it's so visible it's clear yeah it's and clear. the whole world is built on it right right but that's there's literally buildings monuments to it but I you don't see somebody, people's bank accounts walking you don't see the right. number you don't yeah. see what they own when they walk around that's, that's what I said you know. why I told somebody having white appreciating white privilege is like appreciating your health <laughs> right it's fucking impossible it's uh-huh. impossible to appreciate until it gets taken away from you right and then right. you go like, oh fuck that was how does it really... get taken away <laughs> that's <laughs> waiting for 2042 <laughs> uh, alright good that was a uh, really good to talk to you buddy that, nice talk to you yeah. thanks thank guys. you Ari yeah. good friend good man good comedian so ch- check out his stuff he's very funny buy his album waiting for 2042 yes. on kill rock stars and uh, thank you for fucking with us bye I'm gonna bang this bitch the fuck out you, better, you might want to record another way. You finna look at history being made. This motherfucker put a mirror on the goddamn screen. Let's go, LP. Huh? Tell. What we gonna do, Mick, 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 Mick? Now you're fucking with the champs. I'm up at midnight, I'm dipping off in my knees like a gun on a metal piss. I've been this, I've been to my wrist. Like. I'm lurking, serving all pussies who lack a purpose. I got them filled up with frizzack like miss I get you all recite. I'm looking, lurking on bitches, twerking for service. The bitches bagging some burger. I'm yelling, screaming, and cursing. I'm putting pistols and faces at random places like, bitch, give it up. I stand adjacent to Satan. Huh. Batman chilling, the villains is here. No Jesus is here. I hear the demons in my ear. And I want it, I need to see it, I take it, never fake it. Wrap you motherfuckers up, leave you naked. The true Ronald's top tag team for two summers. Live and let live, fuck you, cuz, cuz that's a fool's honor. I'm walking tote and I'm two llamas. You niggas ass and trash and trash. Fuck it, I'm too honest. So fuck you, fuck boys forever. Hope I said it politely. And that's about the psyche of Jamie and Mikey. You need another pair better, highly unlikely. And if I can't rap it, maggot, fuck this, fight me. I'll be your fucking to kill, yes, it excites me. You know your favorite rap ain't shit. And me, I might be the closest representation of God you might see. Pay honors like your mama, your son, and take a right knee. The passion of pop, the death of Nas, circa nine. Mix the mind of Brad Jordan and Chuck D and find me. I speak with the diction of Malcolm, I say a bun beat. Prevail through hell, so Satan get ye behind me. I never been much of shit, but most measurements don't exist. On a radar, a little blip in the shadow of motherships. Smothered in brass and muffled by hustlers, a broken spin. The sign of my back's is stabbing, my soul is your little bitch. Maybe you should be careful when flipping a stranger's switch. And assuming a boy is wanting a symptom of arrogance. With nothing to lose, a step up, then everything's for the win. So we grin in the face of frauds until monsters and suck our dick. I slid a spit on your grave, my existence is to disgrace you. The kitten became a lion to look at your face like great fools. Why we got the people behind us? All the rappers are vaginas for the fame, the true runners will always stay rude. Motherfuck, your permission was never yours to begin with. And every bar that bitch shit you spit is your fucking prison. I've been here making raw shit and never asked to be rotted. One of the tools is to answer your question is what's pop, 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 pop.